Let's open our Bibles this morning to the Gospel according to Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 7, which is the Sermon on the Mount, the end of it. Matthew chapter 7, and just one verse, which again is a springboard text to a topic that I accent fairly frequently, but one that I always feel is just necessary for the people who are in the church, who belong to Christ, need to be reminded of. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Jesus teaches us and tells us and exhorts us, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Let's look at that carefully. Beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but obviously they're not sheep. But they're not just wolves. They are ferocious. That's what this word means. Ferocious hungry and hungry for the prey, P-R-E-Y, that they're going after, as a wolf and wolves do, especially when they're in packs. Beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. This week I brought to you earlier, and Wednesday night, I want to repeat it, that a Disney-owned company has put out a cartoon series that they say is made for adults, but let's face it, how many adults actually watch cartoons? my belief would be is that it would eventually find its way into the eyes of young people. But anyway, the plot of this cartoon is of a woman who is described as a pagan woman. And 13 years after being impregnated by Satan, this is the cartoon, 13 years after being impregnated by Satan, a reluctant mother, Laura, and her antichrist daughter, Chrissy, attempt to live an ordinary life in Delaware but are constantly thwarted by monstrous forces, including Satan, who yearns for custody of his daughter's soul. That's a Disney-owned company that's just put out a cartoon. In my mind, an interesting twist of fate, just yesterday, there was a very large sting that went on, and over 150 people were arrested, a sex sting, which means abducting or drugging young women to become prostitutes, and I think you obviously know what the sex trade is all about. 150 people arrested in Florida in a sex sting. A Georgia cop resigns. So let's think about we're going to be on this subject today of con artists in the king's court. We're going to talk about the church. But this is how we got to this position. I'll explain in a couple of minutes when we get there. The headline reads, more than 150 people arrested in Florida a sex sting. Georgia cop resigns. Among those arrested in the sex sting were two Disney employees, a state corrections officer, several teachers, and a deputy police chief from Georgia. And that's just, uh, what, four or so, uh, five, as 140 more of all types of people, teachers, people in law enforcement, people in Disney, and the cartoon that they made speaks for itself. This is the times that we live in. Let me just say this now so I don't neglect it and I don't forget. And maybe I'll follow this up with an email. But if parents don't bring their children to church, I mean, a church that's teaching the Word of God, wherever they may be, you need to know somebody will be teaching your children. And if it's not the people that you know and trust in the church that you attend, the local church, then somebody's going to be teaching your children. In any case, Alexander Solzhenitsyn once said these words. Remember, he was the famous Russian dissident and spoke about the collapse of Russia and the communist takeover. He said these words, 
He said, over half a century ago, while I was still a child, I recall hearing a number of old people offer the following explanation for the great disasters that had befallen Russia. Men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. Since then, I have spent well near 50 years working on the history of our revolution. In the process, I have read hundreds of books, collected hundreds of personal testimonies, and have already contributed eight volumes of my own toward the effort of clearing away the rubble left by that upheaval. But if I were asked today to formulate as concisely as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people, I cannot put it more accurately than to repeat, men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, famous intellectual Russian dissident, summing up what happened in Russia. And we can look at world history and see the same thing since the appearance of Christ. I mean, every nation that forgets God, the Bible says, shall be cast into hell. Today just happens to be September the 11th, which is Patriot Day, as we remember the planes that crashed, the terrorist attacks that happened to flight, what was it, 93, and Twin Towers, the Pentagon, as we saw for the first time in probably since the American Civil War. Well, no, I mean, this is the War of 1812. An attack on American soil by a foreign entity. And it shocked all of us. It shocked all of us. So now the operative saying here in America on September the 11th, again, officially it's Patriot Day, to remember we will not forget. And I think that that's a very good idea. Almost 3,000 people died. I, at that time, I had been privy to videotapes that others were not privy to and were not shown on the news, which is now, you know, you can see it on the internet. But I watched videotapes a few weeks after this event that had been given to me privately. And watching people jump out the windows and watching them on video do this, only just weeks after it had happened. It goes beyond just saying it's sad and grief and all of that. In any way, here on Patriot Day, we use the phrase, we will not forget, and we should not forget what happened. But let me tell you something. The tendency of man is to forget. And then before you know it, we're acting on our own again, and God forbid something else happens. But in the meantime, since the beginning of the 21st century, there has been tremendous changes in America, and not for the better. Not for the better. Not morally, anyway. And what I want to say to you is that if we do not forget, and many have, what happened on September the 11th, 2001, I agree with Alexander Solzhenitsyn. What has come upon the few, just a couple of things that I've read to you here in America, has come upon us because we have forgotten God. And it really is. Solzhenitsyn was a huge intellect. Yet you'll find that people who have a great intellect can sum up eight volumes in one sentence. At least he did. All these things are befallen us because we have forgotten God. So now I want to just take a bit of a turn and talk to you about why we have forgotten God in America. It's a subject, again, that I've covered many times, but I even went into this message and I said to myself, uh, maybe in half in prayer as well, I said, Lord, I'm talking about this a lot, but I still felt that this is the direction to go in. Con artists in the king's courtyard emphasizing for the moment king's courtyard, the church. A king's courtyard or court basically included everyone in the household who somehow served the king. 
I chose that because it is in theory that everyone in a church is serving the master, serving Jesus. But that's not the truth. And specifically, I want to talk about the con artists that have appeared in the last, well, couple decades now. And they seem to be proliferating, or I should say reproducing, in very rapid fashion. Con artists in the king's household. So we're now in the confines of the church, not just our country, the church. Let me say it again before I begin. Solzhenitsyn heard the elders in Russia said, all of this has come upon us. You can still see the results. All of this has come upon us because men have forgotten God. Now here's the thing. This is a sobering word. You can be sure. And I'm not saying if in the future we forget God. I'm saying if we continue to forget God. And we continue to neglect God. You can be sure the same thing is going to happen here. You can see it. Communists and socialists don't even hide anymore. They're elected to Congress. They're elected to rule over our land with no secret anymore of what their intention is. Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and so on. They don't even hide it. But I'm not going to talk about communism. I'm going to talk about what has brought us to this point, as Solzhenitsyn mentioned, but brought Russia to that point. Men have forgotten God. You say, Pastor, that's not me because I have a Bible. Because you have a Bible, and even because you read the Bible, does not mean that you do what it says. And that's what Solzhenitsyn meant, and that's no doubt what the elders meant. They have forgotten God. They still had churches and Bibles, but they were state-owned churches. State, uh, the church can only do what the state said they could do. They can only put out a message that the state approved of and so on. Now, a few weeks ago, I brought to you a man whose proper name was Ferdinand Waldo de Mara, but he simply went his whole entire life by Fred, Fred de Mara who is no doubt one of the greatest imposters in history. Now, there's been some great imposters, but I want to remind you about him and use him as an example of the con artists we have inside the church. Fred de Mera, I was so interested in the little that I read when I gave it to you that I purchased the biography and I read it, so I finished it. And I got to tell you that it's mixed feelings when I read his story because here's a man that was truly a genius in some respects. But the question I kept asking myself was, why would someone that is so talented, so gifted, evidently had a photographic memory, plays out his whole life conning people? And I don't know that anybody has the answer. Psychiatrists have delved into reasons why, but who knows what's in the human heart. Man had a tremendous mind and all his life, pretended to be somebody else, forged documents, stole identities from all types of people. I told you before, he was near the end of his life a civil engineer, or he was purporting to be, and he was a naval surgeon. But a naval surgeon who went on board figuring, you know, there's going to be a tooth uh, ache, which he actually removed the captain's tooth, or he's going to have somebody with a sore throat, these minor things, but then the Korean War broke out, and now he's got real casualties on the ship, and he's the surgeon. And if you've seen the movie with Tony Curtis, it was the only part of the movie I actually remembered because I saw it when it first came out when I was just a little kid. And I remember this part. He has to operate on this soldier who's definitely going to die. Many of them would have died. And he's never operated on a person his whole life. So he quickly goes into the room. He says a prayer. So God, I never meant to hurt anybody. Flips through a book on surgery, goes in. And on one particular soldier, he successfully opened up his chest successfully removed a bullet that was lodged in the pericardium, gutted out, soldier and soldiers, plural, survived by his operations, and he was not a surgeon. He pretended to be a lot of things, and he kept getting caught, and then he would just forge documents and pretend to be somebody else. And in one instance, 
He was, uh, and they applied for a job with false credentials as somebody else. And he became a correction officer in the Huntsville prison in Texas. It's a rough prison. And the, the, the report goes, the story goes, that he did such a tremendous job as a correctional officer that the warden went to him and asked him would he be interested in going to the cell block that had the criminally insane, the worst place in that very difficult, tough prison. And he thought about it. At first he was reluctant, but then he thought of all these opportunities he could have in that place. And here's the story. When he went in and worked with these people who were criminally insane, he had such great success with them that the warden and others were starting to acknowledge that even though it's a long and winding path to become the assistant warden of Huntsville Prison, this man certainly was going to be the next choice. It's a brilliant mind. But all his life, he pretended to be what he was not. He was a con artist and a con artist of the first order. When we read the scripture and we see the words false prophet, that's what Jesus is talking about, a con artist. Now, some of you, I told you this story when I was on this subject not too long ago. I had it happen to me right in this sanctuary not too long ago. A few, few months ago, I got conned. I did a little research on the guy that conned me. Found out he was involved in a bank robbery, uh, holding a woman almost hostage in a laundromat. I, evidently, I was conned by someone who was pretty good. But you see how in my business, what's difficult is they have scriptures. Well, Jesus this and Jesus that. And you have this guilt, even though your intuition is telling you don't get involved. Um, and so, you know, I always try to err on the side of mercy, and I did, and I made an error. Because I got conned. I got conned by a guy who's been used to conning people. What I'm here to tell you today, and again, I'm not going to over-accent the obvious and become a champion of the obvious. If there was ever a time in at least American history, but certainly world history as well, to draw close to Christ that we find in the Bible, this is now that time. Let me say this to you as well, and all that are watching, listening by way of radio. Keep in mind, there's not only con artists in the pulpit. There's something mentioned here in the New Testament known as false brethren. The con artists that are sitting in the chairs, the benches, the seats. Lots of con artists in this world. And I'll tell you at the start, like I tell you so often, the only thing that can prevent it for you is two things. This book and the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to understand the book, even though some think they could just simply look at the text and they got it, but you don't get it. Well, the Holy Spirit touching you and without a heart to obey God no matter what. So let me go back quickly to 9-11 before I continue here. And so I remember I was in the gym when someone came up to me and said, a plane just rammed into the Twin Tower. But the first thought that I had was all the different planes in the past that had hit the Empire State Building. It's a tall building. It can happen. That's what was my first thought. But when you see this huge jet, commercial jet, going into the building, you know this was no accident. And then later when I went home, the second building was hit. And I stayed in front of that TV for a full day, as so many people did. And I told my wife while those towers were on fire, I said, they're coming down. They're going to fall. I said, there's no way those buildings are going to withstand that heat. And then you have the people jumping out the windows and all of this stuff. Listen to me. This is no more time to be looking at these things, look at the shootings all the time. And the problem that I see is we're getting too used to it. We hear it so often, and then we think to ourselves, well, that always happens in another state, another city, another place. But there's no good reason that it couldn't happen to you. There's no reason at all, except one. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. As we prayed for these young people here just a few minutes ago, God's hand of protection would be upon him upon them rather and there's not been a better time in history to get prepared to meet your God than the time we're living in right now but let me talk to you about some of these con artists 
So Fred DeMera did many, many things. If you're interested, read up on him. And he pulled it off until he finally just somebody got suspicious and he got caught. But what do we learn from his life? Well, a couple of things, and that's what I want to bring to you today. Inside the church, we have con artists. They've been with us for a long time. But again, it seems like they're reproducing at a kind of a rapid rate. And a false prophet can be, or a con artist, uh, well, let me stick with false prophet. A false prophet can be someone who's actually deceived. They believe what they're teaching you is true when it's not. Then there's simply the con artist. Their intentions are not to bring you truth. They're just there to con you. Usually it's for money. And secondly on that, if it's a man, it's for sex and power and other things too. None of them good. None of them good. But the con artists in the king's courtyard thrive, or rather they survive, based on the ignorance of the people, the people that they're speaking to. And let me mention this again. I'm going to say it again. The things that we're about to see in the future are going to be more and more horrific because that's what the scriptures indicate. That's what human nature would tell us, and so would common sense. That's what is happening. Con artists in the king's courtyard, they survive on, I'll say, your ignorance on the ignorance of the people. In Hosea chapter 4, here Israel is going to be conquered. They're going to be conquered. And they thought, just like we do in America, this can't happen to us. We're the people of God. And we say here in America, this can't happen to us because we're Americans and we go through our history. And that's not sufficient. But God said through the prophet Hosea in chapter 4, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. Because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood touches blood. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. Keep in mind, this is God speaking here. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. Church, that happened. And in every instance we read in the Bible, before God judges a person, before God judges a nation, he gives them warning. He gives them opportunity to turn. But when they don't, you can be sure that God says, now it's too late and judgment will come. And judgment did, as we know from our history. In Jesus' time, he said to those who were the experts in what I'll call the Bible, the Old Testament, Matthew 22, 29, he said, Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. Well, who was that said to? That was said to the Sadducees. There's no resurrection or whatever. And he says, you're making a big, huge error. And these are the experts in the Bible. Let's call them the theologians of their day. And Jesus comes along and says, You don't know the power of God, and you don't know the Scriptures. Sadducees. The Pharisees was another group that Jesus often confronted, and they were the lawyers. They were ones who knew the law. But Jesus said, you don't. You don't know the law. And not only that, but you're hypocrites. You go, and one example that we use, or Jesus gave us rather, you go to a widow's house, you make a long prayer, and it's all a pretense to take our money. Let me say that we see in church, I see in church, preachers that are there simply to take the people's money. And the people love it. Because they think they're getting something when I'll share in a little while something very dramatic about imposters. They didn't get anything at all. Jeremiah 23, 25. I've heard what the prophets said, 
that prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. Let me say to you that, in my opinion, the Pentecostal Charismatic Church is the worst violation of this here. Everybody has a dream. Everybody has a vision. Does God give dreams and visions today? I believe so. But none of them will contradict this book. And then we're taught, as an elder, I'm taught to judge. Now, I've had to tell people I reject that vision. Not because it was a bad one, but because actually it was many good ones. Reject it. It's not coming from God. That's a hard thing to do. Because let's face it, you were taught, I don't know by who, but you were taught that pastors at all times are just kind of amenable people that just so we always get along. Is that how you were raised by your father and your mother? I mean, some were. Some just though the kids got to express themselves. Okay. All right. But I know in my home it wasn't that way, and it wasn't in anybody's home that I knew in the fourth largest city in our state. You did wrong, you got some type of discipline for it. What I'm saying to you is that God is a father. God is our father. And if you think that you're going to slide past the rule, that you're going to be the exception, you better think again. It's not going to happen. Anyway, the Pentecostal church, I think, is the greatest violation here because they go on their dreams and so forth, and not by what the book says, but... Let me not limit it to Pentecostals and Charismatics. We see it in Baptist churches, Evangelicals, Roman Catholic Church, and on and on. Jeremiah 23, 26. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart. They think that this is true, and it's not. Lamentations. After Judah was conquered, the weeping prophet Jeremiah, he gives the exhortations in the book of Lamentations, a weeping plaintive book about what could have been, but what now has transpired and so forth. And he writes these words in Lamentations 2.14, Thy prophets have seen vain and foolish things for thee, and they have not discovered thine iniquity. They have not brought forth the things you're sinning against God to turn away thy captivity, but have seen for thee false burdens and causes of banishment. That's a very engaging statement. Lamentations 2.14. Your prophets have seen vain and deceitful things, and it's because of that that it caused you to believe a lie and something that isn't true. Remember, Jeremiah was the one who was saying, Nebuchadnezzar is coming into this city. Nebuchadnezzar will take this city. Nebuchadnezzar will destroy the land, and so on and so forth. And the false prophets kept saying, no, we are Israel. Let's substitute it so it's more applicable to our minds. No, we're Americans. Freedom for this and freedom for that. We were born free and on and on. But when God's hand is for you, then no one can be against you. But listen, if God's hand is against you, no one can be for you. Yeah. I've often had people in front of me, and we're talking about counseling, and if something is being done wrong, and they don't want to turn from it, I've often told them, there's nothing I can do. Nothing I can do to turn this around. We're talking about God now. And so we see that con artists survive on the ignorance of the people. In other words, the more you know your Bible the less prone you are to deception from con artists. Con artists with shirts and ties. Con artists with clerical collars. Con artists that are in the very Bible schools or colleges that we send our children off to, to be educated in the Bible, and they're there too. You better believe they're there. They are there. In the book of Ezekiel, they're already in captivity, and God speaks through him. He says, they have seen vanity and lying divination, saying, the Lord saith, and the Lord hath not sent them. 
They have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. I saw a minister, a pastor, who said something on social media that was really good. So I just typed in excellent word, you know, that type of thing. So then there was an invitation to follow him on the social media. And I said, well, yeah, why not? And so I followed him. And he followed me back. This is a man who's, you know, becoming popular. And then all of a sudden I get a message that says, because you have followed me, you are going to be blessed. That's the end of that. Unfollow, block. A, the truth is, I'm already blessed. B, not only am I born again with the Holy Spirit, I was born in South Yonkers, or at least I was raised in South Yonkers, which is New York City, and I know con artists, except the occasional one we have, as I've told you. You're not conning me, and if you're deceived and you think I'm blessed because I'm following you, that's it. I'm all done with him. Been done with him now for a few weeks. Hey, let me ask you a question at this juncture. Who are you following? Are you going to say Jesus? But I would wait until you go home and think about it. I really would. Because I'll tell you how you can know you're following Jesus. Read the word. Read this. And read it well. Pay attention to what you're reading. Because I'm telling you, after 45 years in ministry, 45, that's a long time, I'm finding out two things. I don't know as much as I thought I knew. And the second thing is, I'm thinking of verses that if I have to apply them as a pastor, and I certainly will with the help of God, I'll be less popular than I am now. So be it. So be it. I'd rather give a good report to God than have the popularity of men. Because I know this is the truth. I know that this is the truth. So con artists, number one, they survive on your ignorance or on the people's ignorance. The less you know of the Bible, the more open you are to a con artist. And that leads me to the second point. Con artists thrive on your wants, your wishes, and then the third category is your willingness to be deceived. Let me go to that one last, or first rather, the last one first. As you know, 2008, I went to a routine visit to the cardiologist, did the stress test, had a cardiac ultrasound and whatever. And a remark that was made to me by my doctor, he said to me, so I'm just amazed that a man of your size can do this stress test so easily. I said, well, doc, I've worked out my whole life. Well, anyway, at the end of the visit, he told me everything, you know, you're great, you keep up the good work, on and on and on. Within one hour, I had a message on my phone from the same doctor. He says, I don't want you going to the gym. I don't want you to lift anything heavy. I don't, and I said, what? I don't, I don't understand. So I called him up and I got him on the phone. And that's when they had found three major blockages in the left anterior descending artery, better known as the widow maker. Now, as someone who studied radiology, and when the doctor showed me the CAT scan, x-rays from the CAT scan, computerized axial tomography, the tomographs, right away I could see all the blockages. Before he even explained it, I said to myself, oh man, that's not good. That's not good. Now here's what I want to share with you. What if my doctor, the cardiologist, maybe even in cahoots with the cardiologist that did the cardiogram of the uh, ultrasound and all this CAT scan, what they said, you know, if we tell him the truth, if this collapses, which it was very close. I had 90%, 70%, 80% blockages on the left anterior descending artery. Anywhere, at any time, that could have just collapsed, and that's why it's called the widow maker. More than likely, if I was not gone from this world, I would be severely handicapped. And if I survived to this day, it wouldn't have been pleasant for anybody. But what if the doctor said, you know, if I tell him this, it's going to upset him. So I'm just going to simply tell him, you know what? It's all good, you're okay. But he knows the truth. He knows that it's not okay. He knows I'm pretty close to having a massive heart attack. 
But thankfully, there's an obligation, ethically and otherwise, for doctors to tell the truth. So most, I suppose, do. And then I, my heart was fixed, and I'm here with you today. I'm here with you today because a doctor told the truth. Amen. Not because he said, hey, you know, there's nothing wrong, and he knows there's something wrong. I could not live with my conscience if I came before you or this camera or the radio broadcast that we have and tell you something that is not true. In this country, we are in trouble. And we, the people that claim Christ, we make the difference. It's not the Republican Party, certainly not the Democratic Party, and anybody in between. It's a visitation from God. It's the people of God that refuse to be deceived, that want to know the truth as the truth is in Jesus. It is a decided unwillingness to be conned. I met a young man this week in the gym, and we had a half an hour conversation while I was just trying to warm up. And he was asking me some very intelligent questions. The first question I had for him was, how did you know I was a pastor? And then he went through some of my kids that he knows. I said, oh, okay, yeah, and he gave me his name. I had a great talk with this young man. First of all, because he was asking the right questions, and second of all, because he was intelligent. And I shook his hand at the end of it. I said, I just enjoyed talking to intelligent people. And he said something to me, which a lot of pastors would bristle at this. He said, well, you know, he asked my opinion on a certain scripture. I gave it to him. He said, well, you know, I kind of like to look things up for myself. And you know what I said? Good for you. You go home and you research it. You see if what I'm saying is accurate. And I gave him the name of a Bible app that he could use. I said, you read the same commentary as I read. This is advice I'm giving to you. Read books by dead people. I'm talking about in ministry. Read books by people who are dead. Why? Because they can't change their theology. They can't change their thinking. And they can't do anything wrong because they're dead. And I didn't know when I first came up with that many years ago that Spurgeon advises people the same thing. We already know what they've done. They're already buried. And I believe the theologians of years ago, particularly theologians, and preachers too, were better than we are today. I believe that. In any case, the point being is this young man wants to know the truth. And he's not willing to simply take it from me. Even though I have 45 years in the ministry, he wants to see for himself. And I commended him for that. I didn't say, well, what are you trying to say? I don't know what I'm talking about. That's what you get from a lot of preachers. I say, go look it up. See, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not, but maybe I'm wrong. And we need more young people like that. You know what? We need more older people like that, too. Go look it up. Be unwilling to be conned. The guy that conned me a few months ago is a guarantee, 100%. He'll not con me again. That's a guarantee, absolute guarantee. But fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Con artists thrive on the wants and the wishes of people, the way we want life to be, and the way we wish it would be. One of the newest ones, not only in the church, but just in businesses. What are you making that, oh, I make so much a week. You could be making a thousand a day, or two thousand a day, or three thousand a day. And I'm not gonna go there because it's not necessarily in the confines of the church, other than these con artists I'm talking about. But when it is in the king's courtyard, they're conning you. You're the object, you're the prey. They're looking for what you can give them. And maybe it's not always money. It's how can you add to their church so they can say it was growing by leaps and bounds and be a big man on campus. I don't know. But I guarantee you one thing, they're not looking out for your interest. Anyone who doesn't tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, is not looking out for your interest. God help us to raise up preachers who have an altruistic motive, an unselfish devotion to Christ 
to help God's people and therefore also our country as well. God help us to find them. And not to pander to the wants and the wishes of people who want life to be a certain way and wish it was when it's not. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. And that's the truth. And that's Jesus. The prophets prophesy falsely, Jeremiah said in chapter 5, verse 31. And the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? You see, that's really what I'm getting at today. If we believe lies and continue to believe lies, let me go outside the Bible, let's go to politics. You realize politicians that you like, they're telling you what you want to hear. They don't say it with their mouth, but they give you the impression, and it's a subconscious impression, that they're the Savior. Well, I've never believed that. I don't believe it now, and I won't believe it in the future. There's only one Savior. It's Jesus Christ. I'll still vote for the person I think best reflects my beliefs, but never it's 100%. It's always Jesus. Let's not get conned in our politics anymore. But that's another subject. And my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? Jeremiah 5.31. Here's an interesting part of Fred Damaris' story. After he was found out to be a con artist at the Huntsville prison, and he escaped from Texas, he fled. The warden, once it was brought to his attention that the guy that you hired was not so-and-so, this is what the warden said. He said, you know what? I really don't care what this man has done. He said, I just know one thing. He did a great job here. And if everything clears up for him, I would hire him again. Now, that sounds noble. And what the warden was saying was that this guy is brilliant. He did a brilliant job. And apparently he did. But what the warden didn't factor in, that a con artist is not going to stop there. The next thing he'd be doing is he'd be falsifying credentials to get the warden out. And believe me, and I'm telling you the truth, I've seen this in my pastorate, not somebody else's. Con artists on my own staff who were conning the whole time to manipulate things. They found a vacuum. There's always a vacuum in every organization. There's always a place where administration is not really in control or not over it, not watching it or whatever. And that's where the con artists go. It's like rats. They crawl along the walls and they find a pocket that's empty. And they accent that vacuum. I've seen it. I've experienced it. And these con artists, they just simply thrive on the wants and wishes. So here's the warden who's saying, I don't care what he's done. He clears things up. I hired him back. He does such a great job. But what he didn't factor in is that con artists don't stop. It's like the flesh. The devil says, here, take, it's only a little step off. A little step off from where you were. You, you know, people are going to say, you're not the same. It's only a little step. But what the devil doesn't tell you is that one step will be two and two will be three, and three will be four. And before you know it, you'll even be in, sitting in some other church with the same Bible you have right now. And you'll be saying, I'm still with the Lord. And the Lord's going to shake his head and say, no, you're not. And the only way we can judge that is by looking at the book and see what it says. This is the plumb line. And deception is, well, it's just what it is. Con artists thrive on the ignorance of people. False prophets. Con artists thrive on what people want to hear what they're willing to tolerate and put up with, what they wish would be, and so on. We had a guy years ago that came with that so-called word of knowledge. He was a friend of mine. I won't take up the time to tell you the whole, whole story, but he even conned me. Needless to say, he's not a friend any longer. But he would be praying over people, and I see this, and I see that, and I pastored these people. I knew what was going on in their lives. And I'm saying, there's something wrong here. Because I know that the way that some of them were living, there's no way God could make that word you know, you're going to say, I see business after business after business after business. Remember that one thing he said? I knew how that man was living. And today, by the way, he has no business at all. No, not much. 
It was just what the person wanted to hear. Yay, the church is clapping. We must want the truth. Yes. Look at, yeah. I say this to you again. Do you think it was my life's ambition to come to this little town, into this place of, what is it? Tell me someday when you figure it out. You think this is all my life I can't say, I want to go to some little town that's forgotten by the whole world, that doesn't even care about itself, blue collar, you know, we used to have carpet mills. How long are they going to cry about the carpet mills? Keep in mind, my grandfather was a loom fixer in the carpet mills. I grew up in a row house made for carpet mill workers. That's why God sent me here. He said, let's send Barnett over there because... He'll understand what they're talking about. So I get this place. But it wasn't my life's ambition. But I'm here. Why? Because God sent me here. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 3. Listen to this. The ox knows his owner and the ass his master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people does not consider. They don't know me. Listen to this one. In Isaiah 3.12. As for my people, children are their oppressors. Ordinarily you're taken in by somebody who's bigger and stronger and smarter. Here he says, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. Now, I understand things are different today, but especially in this setting, to have a woman domineering a man, that was, what would you say, not an insult, but it was just, you know, not something that was good. I think I'll leave that subject alone because uh, I could make a message out of that too, but it is better to dwell in a corner of a house or a rooftop with just little or to nothing than to live in a house with a contentious woman. Sorry, sisters. Send me your nasty email later. <laughs> As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O oh, my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err, and destroy the way of thy paths. I knew a couple, still know them, having some marital difficulties, went to a counselor, secular counselor. Pretty much gave them that this isn't a good situation and whatever else. After the meeting, a day or so later, the counselor was calling up the woman, trying to make a date with her. True story. Now, I want to tell you that most counselors, secular or not, have integrity. Most that I've known have integrity. They wouldn't do that. This guy did. So while he's counseling the husband and the wife, he's just thinking about what he wants to do to the wife. He's a con artist. Thankfully, they remained married, and they're still married today. Thankfully, not with this guy's help. You see, we have to get to a place where it doesn't matter how hard it is to hear it. Let's just hear the truth. If we don't want to have a repeat of 9-11 and other things... Well, I think what's happening to us at the moment is equally disturbing, except it's happening more subtly. You know, our cities are being burned down because they didn't like the way things went in a certain situation and all this that you already know about. It's the judgment of God. And I will say this again. What has happened to America is the church lost God, not the country. The church lost God. The church did not want God because the people didn't want God. So the pastors felt, in order to keep my job, I've got to make these people happy. I've started out my ministry telling the board of direct, well, the board, whatever they call them, elder board, back in the Bronx, this one thing. You don't supply my needs, God does. And so we got along very well because I wasn't looking to them for their support. I mean, finances or whatever, or anything. I always look to God. I would suggest you do the same thing. Look to God, trust God. And that's not easy. So, oh, yeah, that's easy. It's not easy. Not easy for me. Maybe it is for you. Explain to me how you're doing it because it's not easy for me. I'd rather come up with my own plans, my own schemes. It's not that easy to trust God. Isaiah 5.13 Therefore my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge and their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. So the point is made over and over again in the scriptures, especially the Old Testament, 
We see con artists coming as ministers, as prophets, and whatever, and leading the people astray. Now, back in the 19th century, there was an Irish immigrant by the name of Charles Parker. What Parker would do, he would dress to the nines, he would go out, he would greet people in Manhattan, and he would tell them about his family that owned this bridge that connected Manhattan to Brooklyn, Charles Parker. And what his family was preparing to do was to sell little spaces on the bridge where they could set up a toll. So if you wanted in, and many people did, thousands did, they could set up a toll and then charge you so much money to cross the bridge. But then he would take him up and say, come, come on, take, let's go take a look at the bridge. And then when he took them up there, he had already prepared a sign, bridge for sale. It is estimated that Charles Parker sold the Brooklyn Bridge as much as twice a day for 40 years. Was P.T. Barnum right when he said there's a sucker born every moment, every minute rather? They think it could be as much as twice a day, every day, for 40 years he sold the Brooklyn Bridge. But that doesn't end there. He sold Madison Square Garden. He sold the Statue of Liberty. He sold Grant's tomb, saying that he was the grandson and the family, you know, were just trying to get rid of it, whatever he did, with forged documents like Demara. He sold Grant's tomb, Madison Square Garden, the Statue of Liberty, and who knows how many times the Brooklyn Bridge. Sometime in 19th century, $50,000 was, well, still a lot of money. $50,000 a pop, or somewhere in between. Well, it's a sliding scale. Depends on what you can afford and take the bridge because we're tired of it. It's a good thing if you just do a quick study on imposters through the years. It's amazing what some people pulled off. There's a guy, he's living now. He's in prison. He was a murderer or is a murderer. And he went through up the ladder and he was posing as one of the Rockefellers. Walked on Wall Street making gobs of money until somebody figured out this is not a Rockefeller. He's a murderer and he's in prison right now. He's alive right now. And there's another guy too. So let's not talk about all these people. The point is, con artists have been around since the beginning of time, and they're going to be with us to the end of time. And the only thing that can spare you as an individual is the advice I gave to this young man just this week. You read this book, and you do the homework for yourself. That does not mean you come and study the book so you can contradict me every week, because that's only going to go for so far for so long. I actually do know what I'm talking about. That's why I'm talking to you today about this. Because I've been conned. I've been conned by elders. I've been conned by people who were in authority over me. And once I realized I was being conned, I said, no more. I'm not going to be conned anymore. Well, in one case, they brought me a bunch of charges. Simply because I refused to buckle under to their conning. And it was conning, and I could prove it on paper. But you know what? When I brought the message to my fellow ministers, not a one listened. I lost every single friend. But it's better to be alone than a bad company. And I'll live with that. But I told the truth. That truth cost me a lot. A whole lot. But you got to love the truth. And so we come to this. Con artists, number one, they survive on your ignorance, on professing Christians' ignorance. Number two, con artists thrive on what people want to hear and what they wish it would be. Let me say this this way. Best way I can explain it. If you're violating God and you want me to tell you it's going to be all right, I will not do it. Got too many years in, too much experience, and I know what this book says. I can tell you how it is going to turn out based on the same experience. Now, I'll just leave it with that. If you're looking for me to say it's going to be okay, and when it's not, and the truth is that it's not, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you what my doctor told me. Got bad news for you. You need open heart surgery. I was not thrilled, but it was the truth. It spared my life. And if you take the truth, it'll spare your life here, and it'll spare your life for eternity. 
in God we trust. That's the motto in America. You've seen it in the stores, maybe when you were a kid. In God we trust, all others pay cash. You've seen it? Okay. In the book of the Revelation, turn there and I'm going to finish. Book of the Revelation, chapter 16, verse 13. We are heading into a period where people are going to be conned. Revelation 16, 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So without going into eschatology, there's coming a period of time. We have a world figure, the Antichrist, which Disney is now promoting in some cartoon. It's going to be a whole lot worse than the cartoon, that's for sure. And then you have this religious leader who's a con artist. He's a false prophet, helping him to stay in power like we read in Jeremiah. These are basic principles they carry through life. Revelation chapter 19, verse 20. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles with him, the con artist, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped the image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Look at chapter 20, verse 10. And the devil that deceived them. See, the devil from the beginning is a con artist. Has God said? We read that in Genesis very beginning of Genesis 3, chapter 3. Has God said, you either, you're either you going to die? Well, he says, you're not going to die. And that's the same lie that's going out today. Has Jesus said, he's the only way, and you have to follow him? He's not the only way, and you're not going to die. But that contradicts what this book says. And for me, I'm going to stick with the book. Amen. I've not seen it in my own personal life ever be wrong. Revelation 20, verse 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, the con artist, and shall be tormented day and night, forever and ever. That's the truth. That's what the book says. The prophet Isaiah said this, Who has believed our report? Because typically throughout history, the majority of people disregarded the truth. They not only persecuted the prophets, they killed them. Includes Jesus, apostles as well. But here's the capstone of this message. So I introduce you to Fred DeMara, who really is pretty intriguing, or was. He's been long dead. He was a Trappist monk. Read about him. He finished off his career as a Baptist minister. Except in this case, he actually had real credentials. He went to a Bible school, got his certificate, and pastored two churches. He died at 60 years old. He was a pastor. Now, again, if you knew my past was Fred DeMaris, I mean, you've got to figure out, am I telling the truth? Is this guy conning us? I don't know. But again, many people believe that he was sincere and he really made a turn. He was trying to, you know, change things. And others are not sure. Fred DeMaris gave last rites to Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen died from mesothelioma. He was 50-something, 52. This was the man that gave him last rites. They were friends. Steve McQueen and a con artist. Everybody, well... Many, many people are open to deception. As long as we're going into things saying, this is what I want to hear. And this is what I wish the preacher to tell me or whatever. Or we don't care if we're deceived. Just make me happy. Make me happy with the music. Make me happy with your singing. Make me happy with the preaching, certainly. And tell me how it's going to be all good. I will. Certainly want to leave you on a positive note. It is going to be all good if you follow Christ. Amen. And have the, how shall I say it? have the, not ability, but the willingness to raise your hand and ask a question. That was what I was most noted for in pastor circles. Not because I was a troublemaker. I'm not a troublemaker. I'm really not. I just raised my hand. Well, how did we get there from this verse? Just maybe I'm missing something. But you have the guts. 
have the guts to just ask a question. Because you, in one sense of the word, you are in control of your own destiny. And don't put your destiny in the hands of somebody else. Now, I have to explain that when you have a pastor, just like a doctor and a lawyer, you've got to have some trust. I don't trust my doctor, I get another one. I've done it already twice. Doesn't mean that they're wrong, doesn't mean they're bad. Just, I just don't, don't have confidence in them anymore. Do the same with others, lawyers, whatever. Was Fred DeMara the real deal at the end or not? Only God knows that. But you can see pictures of him with a clerical collar as a Baptist minister who gave last rites to Steve McQueen. But that does not mean he was the real deal. Only God can determine that in the very, very end. And I'll say this, in John, 1 John, it tells you that the anointing teaches you. The anointing's inside. You know the truth when you hear it because you're looking for it. But the same people who are really looking for the truth, they know what they're hearing is not the truth when they hear it. The rest, they just hear what they want to hear, what they wish, what their willingness to be deceived or whatever. And that's the answer for you. Right there. Read it. Technology has made it so that you have access to the very same commentaries I use. The interlinears, Greek, Hebrew, you name it, it's all there. And then you pray. God, give me the strength, as we pray here so often, God, give us the strength to stay on the path, to stay straight, to not be pulled aside, to not be deceived, to not be conned. Because, just give you this very, very quick. We're in the woods here years ago fishing at a place called Eagle Pond. And a friend of mine brought myself and my children up there. He knew the path. Oh, plus, you have these little tin circles that'll tell you you're on the path. So we got to Eagle Pond fine. On the way out, he asked me, he said, Pastor, do you want to lead the way out? And I said, yeah, I'm just going to follow the circles, these little trail markers. Uh, yeah, fine. I don't think we went 20 yards. I don't think we went even 20 yards when he said, I don't think this is the right way. And he was right. I was heading, let's say, north, and our path was west. We got out fine, right before dark, by the way. What's very important to note is that if you're on the wrong path, you're not going to end up where you want to be. The kingdom, right? Does that make sense? So, read the Bible. Do what it says. Whatever the cost is in your life, and I've told you, it's been very costly for me. Ministry has been very costly. I don't regret it, because I'm going to give an account to Jesus. According to the scriptures, we can expect more deception to come into the church. If it comes into the American church, it's going to come into the American politics and into the government. It's not what can save us, it's who can save us, it's God. So let's pray today for our country, it's Patriot Day. Let's pray that God would spare us, have mercy, and bring a revival to his church. That's our prayer today, Father, that you would spare America from the judgment other nations have already seen and are still seeing right now. Spare us, O God. I know there's people in other countries praying for us. Help us, God, to understand the unbelievable amount of con artists that are out there, conning people, even your people. We ask today, Lord, Father God, in this place here, that you would give us a revival in the church, as in days of old, where the pulpit would be preaching the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and you would bring in souls, many, many souls, and save them. God, that's our prayer today. Pour out of your spirit that we may see Jesus. And let us have your mercy, God. As we heard earlier in the service, in wrath, remember mercy. You are a merciful, benevolent God. And it will be good. You said, say to the righteous, it will be well with them. For that, we give you thanks. And for this, again, we say, God, send us that revival in your church. And have mercy. Father, we ask you to bless our time together with what remains of it. Bless the time, bless the food, bless the fellowship. And all this week, cause us to be reminded that we are to love you with all of the heart, all of the soul, all of the mind, and all of the strength. And then remind us to love one another. All of this we ask in Jesus' mighty name. 
Can you say amen with me this morning? Amen. Amen. Amen.